Hello, my name is Sebastián Castro Nicolescu, and I will be having a conversation with Vivian López Ponce for the New York City Transoral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. It is August 21st, 2018, and this is being recorded at the New York Public Library offices in Midtown Manhattan. Hi, Vivian. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing today? Fine, thank you. <laughs> um, so if you feel ready to start, um, we can just start with when and where were you born um, and what was growing up like? Uh, I was born in Spanish Harlem, 116th Street okay. on Park Avenue. Mm -hmm. That was at that time, it was, uh, I was told that it was uh, very rough. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't remember because I was very young, yeah. you know. But at the time, that neighborhood was very rugged. Mm. I was told, you know, there was a lot of gang at that time. Okay. So, but at that time, my family moved to the Bronx afterwards. Okay. From there, from there, they moved to the Bronx. But I was born in Spanish Harlem, that area, which is, you know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's what I can remember. From there, I, we moved to the Bronx. So most of your memories are from the Bronx. So much of my memory, the Bronx, and uh, and that was also very rugged. Mm -hmm. That was very rugged, uh, basically. Yeah. You know, I grew up in uh, Simpson, mm -hmm. Simpson Street. That was really very hard, and addiction and everything else. Mm -hmm. Then from there we moved to. Uh, College Avenue. Mm -hmm. That was a little bit better. Then we moved back to to Spanish Hall, under Eighteenth Street, which was a little bit better. That's where uh, a lot of the Spanish Spanish records started. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of you know. That's where I youth and everything else, that's where I was started to discover where I, that I was, I was different. Mm. Really, I started in in the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. I was, well, I was really young. Mm. I knew I was different when I was really a lot younger. Mm. But I was too immature to even realize, mm. too immature to even realize that something was wrong with, my, with me. It was until I was a lot older that I started realizing I couldn't get any help mentally or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I ran away from home. I slept in Central Park. Mm -hmm. uh, for about a year. Wow. And from there, I started working at the Continental. I turned the bathhouse mm -hmm. for several months. Mm -hmm. Then I moved to Providence with some friends. Mm -hmm. I came back. Uh, I moved in with my mother for a while. I, then I, something went happened. I got arrested. Mm -hmm. I came out. That's when I started transitioning. Mm -hmm. I discover myself. Mm -hmm. I was like maybe 19, 20. Okay. 
And that's when I really, you know, and ever since then, you know, my life has changed. You know, ever since then, my life has changed. I've met beautiful people. I've really met beautiful, fantastic people. My family has been supportive. They've been supportive. They have been, and they, you know, they're evangelical. The only one that wasn't supportive was my father, but my mother, she cried. I, I would think she would understood because that was different. Yeah. My grandmother, who's the strongest evangelical, she was the first person to give me a slip. Hmm. When we went to our, me and my boyfriend went to dinner because my nipples were showing, I would start, my, my breasts were starting to grow and, and, I, and he got me a beautiful silk dress. Hmm. And it was Thanksgiving dinner, and he kissed me, and my nipples were showing, and she tells me, you have to wear a slip and wear clean panties. Hmm. I can never forget that my grandmother, she was the strongest evangelical woman there is. Wow. And that's the that's you know. Hmm. And that always stays there in my heart. Yeah. Uh, since then, you know, my family, my mother, and, you know, I looked out for her mm-hmm. as much as I could because mm-hmm. my mother was separated from my father. Okay. Okay. And uh, I started working. I went to school. Mm-hmm. Robert Fiance. I graduated and everything else. Uh, that didn't really work out because mm. I tried getting a license. Nobody, no models, no nothing. You know, I we there we have a lot of hairstylists in my family. Okay, okay. My aunt had her own shop. I have I don't know how many hairstylists in my family who are professionals. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I try to get into the business. But I had no luck, mm-hmm. so that was done. Mm-hmm. So I got into a, I got into her working in a health food store. Oh, I mean, it was a nanny. I was I was babysitting her two little babies mm-hmm. for almost two years. I was getting paid. I, I was a nanny. I changed the diapers and everything else. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful thing to have. I was, I was looking out for these two beautiful little girls that were like my own. It was, it was an incredible experience, you know, to feel like a mother, to nurse them, to watch them out, to bring them all every morning, and just, you know, it just brought me closer to what to the person I am. That experience is incredible. It just made me more of a the person who I am. What? Then they asked me to move to Puerto Rico with them because they wanted me to move with them. I mean, the girls were very, I was valuable to them. The girls got used to me. They needed me to, they had more kids. And I was a nanny. I told them, no, I have my own life. I can't move with them to Puerto Rico. 
So that was that. So I met a friend of mine. She told me, uh, well, uh, I was working, started working in the after hours. Sally's. I got involved working and working. I did very good. Started doing drugs and working and that, you know, what was that? It was, uh, it was crazy. It was fun, hectic. I met a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of beautiful young ladies. I can't say all the names, but you know what? These are, this is girls from the balls. I met a lot of lit girls from way back, way back. I mean, you know, these is girls that before the, even the, the balls were balls. I mean, I'm talking about before the regular balls. These are Spanish girls that used to make gowns out of whatever you can find. Delightful ladies. He was this is before the any houses were created. Crystal LaBeja was one of the the original ladies. Uh, she was beautiful. I, I can't even ex explain that some of the the beautiful women that I saw, mm -hmm. that I worked with. Mm -hmm. I worked in a lesbian bar. I mean, Kelly from Kelly Village West. There were celebrities that used to go there all the time. You go from the after hour to Kelly's. Mm -hmm. And this place was owned by the mafia. Mm -hmm. The after hour was owned by the mafia. Mm -hmm. If you listen to this, I'm probably not around anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> I can say it now because yeah. it's not, <laughs> yeah. you know. But really, basically, they own a lot of the clubs at that time. Mm -hmm. So... And it was, it was safe, really. It was, and it was fun. It was fun, you know, the girls went, the, you know, basically a lot of celebrities went. We made like, good money. The girls got good money. I mean, a lot of the, well, well, no, a lot of celebrities went. It was very exciting. It was exciting. It was, it was, it's like feeling like your 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 whole blood was rushing. It was a fast life. Yeah. But you made you know. It was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Do I miss it? No. Mm -hmm. I don't miss it because you know what? It was a, it was too fast. Too fast. I did more beautiful people that I do miss. You know, I got involved with drugs and, you know, I really, I didn't need that. You know, every now and then I had to take, go to a, go to my runaway to my mother's house and take a couple of days off because I says I need to get away and cleanse myself and then go back. Sally sometimes used to tell me, Vivian, you need to stay over here. You need a day off. You need because I used to work 24-7. Nobody, everybody take off, but I work for them. I just didn't want, I just didn't. They were very, I was very fortunate. Everybody was very protective of me. Mm -hmm. 
that's something that I really truly love because they were they loved me and they were protected. And I was a little bit crazy, <laughs> you know. But I was a fun crazy person. <laughs> that's something everybody said, Vivian, Vivian, or you know, she, you know, I was I was a fun loving person. <laughs> I was a you know if somebody came, oh Vivian, I need you know I, I try to give them. I always try to give, you know. I, I, God bless me, so I try to bless what, what, what I I don't know. You know. There's a lot more that I have to say, but I, right now I'm. Yeah, I'm, I think that's like a really beautiful kind of like timeline that we can kind of go down now. Um, so maybe to start early, um, what are your memories of the Bronx of? Growing up there, like, did you have friends in the area? Did you go to school? Like, what was your no. early life like? Okay. No. Only for all the memories out the Bronx was a, a boy who tried to, he always was trying to molest me. Mm. Uh, uh, another boy that I was too young that I, I tried to fool around with that, you know, I didn't do anything with him because, you know, as far as uh, nothing, I did fool around with him, but he didn't do any penetration. It wasn't, I didn't do nothing to him, he didn't do nothing to him, but it was just, uh, I don't know how can I say it. He touched me, he, he would get off, but it wasn't, it wasn't no penetration. And he was much older than me, you know? But I was attracted to him, and I, you know, I didn't know what I was kind of scared. Yet at the same time, I was thrilled. I was around what, 10, 11? Oh, wow. Okay. And I was, I didn't know. I, you know, I, you know, my, I don't know if my mother understood or what. I used to get into my mother's dresses and play Honey West on top of the, the, you know, she just to come in and put on, I tried to put on her shoes. And they were, at that time, they were chiffon dresses, beautiful chiffon, you know. Oh, my God, these were like period dresses. Oh, my God, they were gorgeous, flurry. My brothers were, like two brothers, they were running around. And I mean, I'm playing, oh, honey, where's honey? Because that was a program there. Yeah. They're running around. They paid in no mind, hmm. you know. Uh, at that time, they had gangs. And you know they, I from one Halloween I dressed up, and they ran. They were running from one yard to the other. Remember, they ran after me. Oh, wow. I'm running with my mother's heels, and <laughs> my brothers are running with me, mm -hmm. and I'm running. <laughs> and I don't know what else would happen. I can't remember what blank, mm -hmm. but you know I just can't. I don't remember what I I, I went. It's blank after that, mm -hmm. but I remember. They were running from one yard to the other. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, that's about all I can remember from that point, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I remember that that's when I decided, I said, okay, uh, my, that's when my father, because we were in our home, mm -hmm. my father and my mother was got separated. Mm -hmm. He put us with my mother. My mother was not prepared mm -hmm. because when he, they divorced, my father took us and he left my other brother because I have... It's very complicated. My father got married about four times. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there's two of us that are first born mm -hmm. with my mother. Mm 
and, and that's another born, but that's from another man that my mother married. So my father, my father left, and my mother remarried with somebody else and got divorced. My father left, and then he had a mistress, and then he had another mistress. He got married again. Mm-hmm. Then he got married again, but he, he had he had two childs, and he had another one out of wedlock. So anyway, he took us with us, and then he couldn't take care of us or whatever, so he put us in a Catholic home in Staten Island. Oh, wow. hmm. So we were in a Catholic home for a couple of years. Hmm. How old were you when you were there? <sighs> we were about eight years old. Wow. Okay. Hmm. In Staten Island. Hmm. I remember very clearly because it was a lot of grass, it was open field and it was, hmm. yeah, there were nuns and priests and everything else. That's where I did my Holy Communion, my confirmation. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. my father was Catholic. My mother was evangelical. Mm-hmm. That's when my father both met my mother in church, mm-hmm. in evangelical church. Because oh, okay. my mother was evangelical. My family on my mother's side was evangelical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Protestant. They were. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, I don't know, you know. I turned up the way I turned up. I don't know, you know. Yeah. It happened. It happened. I'm not the first one. Mm-hmm. I have another cousin who passed away of AIDS mm-hmm. on my father's side. Mm-hmm. And I have a co- another cousin that's a lesbian who also passed away mm-hmm. on my father's side. Mm-hmm. I have a cousin on my side, on my side who's a lesbian. Also, I have a second cousin, a second, third cousin that's also, who happens to be a lesbian, and have another second cousin who happens to be gay. Mm -hmm. So really, you know what? You know, and they're all in my Facebook. Some of them know, uh, they don't recognize me too much, but another one, you know, does. And, um, but I try to reconnect with my first, second, second generation, so that way they know that you know. In my Facebook, I try to reconnect so they know that you know we are a community and we are. Yeah. You know. And that they're not alone. That you know, a. Hey, this is going on. This is this. This is that. And I try to share whatever it is that I have is going on in my world and whatever, mm-hmm. so they can see. Yeah. Are are these cousins like the same age as you? Or? No, um, I'm 66. These are much younger. Oh, okay. They're okay. second generation, third generation. Oh, okay, okay. I'm the oldest one in the family. Mm-hmm. Well, I should say the youngest one. <laughs> Because I, you know, what surprised me enough, I where I work, you know, I work, I have a heterosexual job. Mm-hmm. I, I work as a, in a laundromat now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have my friends have, my boss is gay and he has a lover. Mm-hmm. I've been very fortunate to have supporters, friends, mm-hmm. who always look out for me. 
he is very demanding, but you know, so am I. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he calls me bitch, I call him cunt. Mm. But he's like my brother. Mm -hmm. I love him dearly, and he loves me. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, so anyway, the ladies, I'm very polite with the ladies. The ladies are always and they me, oh, beautiful lady. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm always sometimes astonished because, you know, I'm trying to be. And he's like, oh, you have, you're very good. I'm 66. Look, I'm a cranky old lady. You know, look at this. I'm jumping on this thing here. I'm not a mechanic. I'm trying to fix this. Oh, but you're, you're, listen, I have arthritis on my hand, arthritis on my feet. And he's like, but you're so beautiful. I'm 66 years old. <laughs> I'm going through it. Yeah, I just, oh, my God, but you're so, and just, they're telling me their age, and I'm older than they are, and they look, I don't know what. And I says, oh, but you look so beautiful. Well, you look, look at your face. I said, and I'm feeling, you know, they make me feel so, you know, they they bless me. Yeah, yeah. And there's some ladies who are much younger than me, and, you know, I tell them, oh, you know what, I put moisturizer on, I put this, I show them this. Sometimes they see me with curlers on, I tell look, with pink curlers on. <laughs> and, yeah, I go and I put on pink curlers, and what are you doing? I'm going to cut my hair, I'm going to put pink curlers on. <laughs> I do it in front of them, you know, hey, you know. I'm, and I do that really in front of them, you know. Yeah, yeah. They see me with pink curlers on, and sometimes, you know, I, talk, I tell them, you know, I try to be, I'm me. You know, and I guess they respect that, you know. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, a lady gave me this pocket book. Oh, wow. You know, and it's real. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> it's real. My boss checked it out. <laughs> yeah, I said, oh, okay. That was on my bucket list. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, I said, well, you know, I've, you know, I said, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm blessed, you know. I know I'm going to be there. That was supposed to be a temporary job mm -hmm. because I'm, I am kind of tired. Yeah. I'm wearing out, you know. Mm -hmm. I Sometimes my memory comes and goes, comes and goes, you know what. I don't know. Tomorrow's never promised, so I'm still blessed that I'm still here. Mm -hmm. Every single time that I wake up my eyes, it's another blessing, mm -hmm. you know. I, I hear somebody passed away of cancer. I just lost my ex-husband about a, several months ago, and the same day I, I, I lost another niece, Karen Coverville, who I love very much, yeah. who I knew her from for a long time. Yeah. She passed away the same day as my ex-husband. Wow. You know, and it was really heartbreaking for me. You know, because I was going to the hospital and I was standing there. I missed him by three hours. You know, we didn't have, I was his best friend. Yeah. We were together for almost on and off for almost 30 years. You know, we had broken up for about five, but you know what? I was like his best friend. And he kept telling me, I love you, I love you, but you know, we we had broken up. And you know what? I did still love him. He was like my, we were friends. We were just friends. Mm -hmm. And I have been there for him because he had, I can't, you know, it's very, because I've been there for so many friends passed away. Yeah. But I mean, right there. I was there for my mother. I was there for another friend, Fred, Frederick, Freddie, and it's like people don't know how draining it is to be there and see your friend passed away. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very hard. Yeah. It's just 
Wow. Then to hear the news to someone else, you know what? It's, it's painful. I've lost so many friends, it's like, and I'm still here and I ask God, wow, well, why am I still here? I know there's gotta be a reason, but you know, I don't know why am I, am I, why am I, really, really? I don't know. I'm just a cranky old lady. <laughs> have anything to ask me? So yeah, so you mentioned um, running away from a home, right? Um, so I wanted to maybe see what your home life felt like before that and what led you to do that. Well, you see, my home life before that, I was in a college prep program and everything else, mm -hmm. but my father was really very strict. You know, and like I said, I was very confused I was, you know, I, I used to clean house. I used to do everything, you know. I was feeling, you know, gay. I just, my father didn't allow me to work part-time. Oh, okay. He didn't allow me to do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I was about to graduate. I had like several months to graduate high school. I couldn't go to work, come work. I did start to work part-time and everything, but after a certain time, I I took a couple of detours, mm -hmm. meeting some people. Yeah. That's when I discovered that I was gay. Mm -hmm. And I detoured and I, police officer caught me. Mm -hmm. They t took me to my house. Then that's when I had to, I mean, you know, when they say caught me, mm -hmm. doing the naughty, naughty. <laughs> Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. They call me having sex. Yeah. Yeah. And it was in the restroom. <laughs> okay. okay. Everybody does it. If oh, you yeah. didn't naughty, well, at that time it was very common. Let me oh. put it like this. Really? This is like a book. <laughs> All right. If you didn't do it, honey, you missed out on it. Mm -hmm. It was common in those days. Oh, yeah. It was very exciting. You don't know what you missed. <laughs> Let me put it out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, and trust me, I met a lot of exciting men. <laughs> okay, now I put it out there. Yeah, I was yeah. trying to be a little bit conservative. Okay, <laughs> so uh, that's when I really discovered that, you know, I was, but I still wasn't sure about my gayness, or I did, you know, more or less. I, I was reading this sexology book at that time, this saying just because you're having sex with men, you're experimenting. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make you a gay male. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just what sexology was saying. Yeah. Yeah. So that's confusing me. Mm -hmm. So a police officer found me, and being that I was still not completely of age, mm -hmm. he took me to my house. Mm -hmm. This is what I feared. My father is a Puerto Rican man, very strict, very, very nasty, 
very firm man. They told my stepmother was really very she was very open minded. She was but I guess she already knew. But the whole thing is I was having her brothers. Oh my god. Oh this is a doozer. I was having her three brothers on the down low. <laughs> but really, yeah, I mean, you know, when there was nobody I was having the three brothers, they were oh my god, this is <laughs> I was having well they were grown. Yeah. You know, they were grown. Yeah. One was going to the army, the other one wasn't and the other one they were grown, you know, men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but this is, you know, it wasn't like what it was like but I was having I'm telling you, it's, so anyway, the thing is, I, police officers told me that they took me to see a, a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. The psychiatrist, I talk, spoke to the psychiatrist by myself. He tells my father and my stepmother, he's a homosexual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what my father felt or whatever, but I know it wasn't too pleasant. Mm-hmm. We went home. I was scared. I, I know my father did not like to hear that. I was his firstborn. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. His firstborn, mm-hmm. he's not going to like that. Yeah. He didn't, you know, he didn't like the whole idea that I said, oh, my God. The middle of the night, I packed an army duffel bag. Mm-hmm. Oh well, no, not that night. Mm-hmm. I had bought some uh, some Nyquil or some kind of sleeping hat pills, and I tried to take them. Mm-hmm. Well, my stepmother saw them; she took them away. Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, okay." She, she kind of figured that out. She was. I said, when the middle of the night when they were sleeping, I kind of packed my clothes, mm-hmm. put it in an army duffel bag, and I walked out. Mm-hmm. I didn't say anything. I didn't go to my mother's house because that's the first place that he probably would have said something. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to Central Park. I didn't go to my aunt's house. I didn't go to my, my family. My whole family lived in Spanish. I had about four aunts. My grandmother lived around there. I, I didn't move, I didn't go bother any of them. Wow. Okay. So I went, because that would have been it was you know to me it would have it was kind of humiliating. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know what he was gonna say, how he was gonna put it, how he was gonna degrade me. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So I just went to Central Park mm-hmm. and I slept there without any money or what. I don't know if I had money or not. I can't remember exactly. I just slept there and and it was kind of, kind of cold. And I met maybe one man that he would take me during the night. I would sleep during the night in the morning. I would have to get up 
and leave because he had to go to work. And then I will see if I could try to find work. You know, and that, that kind of condition or whatever, I have no knowledge of anything because my mind was so torn away or whatever. I didn't know exactly where to go. I had no knowledge. They didn't have resources of any kind, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, so I didn't know exactly what to do or whatever. I didn't have, I was just a fresh born gay person coming out, you know? So I didn't know exactly, I just didn't know exactly what I know. I, out of there, I just can't, everything just went, I, it's blank after that for a while. I just kept doing that until I finally, I really can't say what happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I probably, I think, I think afterwards I managed, it was a little wild. I, I really can't say it's blank after that. Mm -hmm. I know I finally found work. I think I went, found work or I went to my mother's house. After a couple of months of doing that, mm -hmm. And then I found a job. That's when I told my mother that I was gay before. And she broke down because she didn't even know. Mm -hmm. When I went back, mm -hmm. she didn't know. I don't know, She, my father didn't tell her that I ran away or nothing like that. Oh, she had no clue? No. Wow. My father hadn't told her anything. That's how he was. Mm. She had no clue that I was in the streets or nothing like that. Mm. And I'm trying to recall exactly what, how, what occurrence, I just can't remember after that, what a, because that experience was I know when afterward my mother, I started, you know, being that I was under the warmth thing, I started looking for work. Mm -hmm. Oh, I tried going back to school, okay. but it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So I tried looking for work. I tried to go back to finish my, getting my diploma because I dropped out. I only needed like three months wow. to graduate mm -hmm. from Benjamin Monroe High School under 16th Street. They changed it now to high school of science. Oh, okay. hmm. So I, my mother lived in on Stratford in the Bronx, hmm. in Sandview. So I changed to go to Monroe, and I just couldn't. It was, I don't know. It was from there on. It was just like I was a little bit. I was loose, I was wild, and then I, my hair was long, very curly, long, and everything else, it was like a curly afro. Mm -hmm. I have naturally curly hair, mm -hmm. and I, 
I worked for a while. I had a boyfriend, but my life wasn't, wasn't, I don't know. I was still discovering myself. Yeah. I was still trying to put the pieces together. You know, it takes a while to really find out what, who you really are. You know, because you just can't say this is who you are. You, it takes a while to find out. Mm. You know, and after going through those traumatic scenes and everything else, you just don't say, oh, here, I'm this. And your mind is confused. You're, you're just still trying to, de you're developing. Mm -hmm. It takes a while to develop. And once I, I saw what I am, I said, this is, you know, my final, I would felt I was in my shell and I was in my comfort zone. I stick to it. And here I am. Here I am, Vivian Lopez Ponce. And I took the, the name Vivian because it was my sister's name. Oh, really? My, my original name was Innocencia. My sister was killed by her mother, my stepmother. The one that I tell you that took, she was really, really nice. But my father was, was not really a very nice man. And... He drove her a little bit mad, cause he was he was a what you call it Spanish mujeriego. You know he liked to. He had a wandering eye for women. You know, and uh, he had another another son while he was married to her. And they named him after my other brother. That they both two sons are named the same. And uh, she, that made her a little bit upset and she became a little bit psycho. And my sister had one year, I think, of psychology or something like that, or two years. Yeah. And my, my stepmother took a gun, shot my sister. She shot, was gonna shoot my nephew also, but he got away. It was tragic. She killed herself in jail. It was really horrible. But I was very fun because I was. She tried to communicate with me because I was the only person that I could really. You know, she understood me. She knew that you know when I transitioned and everything. She understood that. She understood that I was gay. She understood that too. Because she probably saw that I made a dress for my sister. And she kept it when my sister was a little this high. I made a dress by hand for Easter. And it was beautiful. And she kept it years afterwards when I came to visit. She showed it to me. My sister was beautiful. She had blonde hair, blue eyes. She looked like a little German doll. Ah, 
well, I mean, really, we should be talking about Sally's. Sally was a bar where I worked, where it was really fantastic. We had Dorian Corey. We had Myra Welch, who was a Spanish entertainer. Dorian Corey, everybody knows Dorian. We had Chaka Sabalis, but she didn't really work. Yeah, she worked. Chaka Sabalis worked. Yeah, Chaka Sabalis was an entertainer. We had Lady Grace, beautiful entertainer too. We had Hawaiian Angie, beautiful lady. We had, oh my God, a Cuban, I, you know what, I'm very, by now the names, there's a long list. There's a long list of beautiful entertainers. Oh, the place was always, you know what, and these girls, that the dress attires were exquisite. They were, you know, the, it was down to the T. You know what, the, the clothing was made ex perfectly. Crystal Lavella, she didn't have, she didn't do shows, but she was a, a regular patron there. It was such an honor just being around them, socializing with them. And talking with them, hanging out with them, having cocktails with them. Even, uh, well, I'm, we did a little bit more than that, but whatever. Paris, Paris Dupree. Another incredible person. Communist Ravagansa. Another incredible person. Hung out in the shows. A lot of beautiful girls. They were great. You know, Jesse Torres, a friend, dear friend, an entertainer. Who, she was mother of the house. Beautiful personality, you know. Oh, how many other people? I was amazing at list of girls that, you know, frequent were there, were ladies of that house. The list just goes on and on and on. The memory is just, it's just beautiful. The girls that just frequented that bar, that worked there, that you can say almost lived there because you know what, they were always regular entertainers there. And you can say that, you know, they, they lived in that place because they were, and I was very upset because there was a post and Village Voice, I think it was, or something, some famous writer said something, which is still around, and named and called the place, I don't know what, and it gave it an unfavorable. And I was very offended by it because, you know, this place is right off Broadway. Yeah. And... You know, we get very famous, we had very famous celebrities come to visit us. Do you know how many movies were done in that place? Yeah. And he had the audacity 
to call it, I don't know what, you know. I said, do you know how many movies people had done gone there, how many balls were done there, and everything else? And meanwhile, this person, I saw him in the Robin Burshaw Park Naked, ugly-looking person. I'm sorry. Yes, I said it. I had to say it. <laughs> ugly-looking body, everything, his wee-wee and everything. It's gross. Look it up. At the Robin Burshaw. Uh, can we talk? Uh, ugly-looking body. Had the audacity to insult my girls. I was totally offended. Yeah. When, when was this? When oh, was it was there? a while back. It was almost 35 years ago. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I found it offensive because, you know, I'm proud of the girls that, you know, the girls were immaculate. The clothes were immaculate. The jewelry was immaculate. The entertainment is immaculate. Mm-hmm. I am sorry. The placement, you know what, on the hotel really wasn't, not, you know, I mean, I'm going to tell you that hotel is, ugh, mm-hmm. the hotel, you you go there, forget about it, it's the suck. Mm-hmm. But we're not responsible for the hotel, yeah. Yeah. you know, we're not responsible for that hotel. God, I, ho- I hope they do something with it because, you know, but I don't know, I haven't even been, I, well, I passed by it there the other day. And I think they're doing something now. The Koreans that own the place, you know, mm-hmm. they were very, I mean, we stayed there. Me and my Chinese strawberry, mm-hmm. we had a room together. Mm-hmm. And my God, I mean, it was horrific. We, we had no other choice because we left. We were living together, my, my niece, strawberry and me. Mm-hmm. And I had left my my so-called husband, because he was horrific, I told Strawberry Pack up, let's go. We're moving back to the city. And we did. I left everything behind, furniture and everything. I told my brother and my mother, Mom, here are the keys. I'm leaving. I left the apartment behind with everything. And me and my niece, Strawberry, we moved into a hotel right on top of the, the bar. In the hub, they were charging, overcharging, even though I worked in the bottom. Okay. They gave me no discount. Huh. We were paying on a daily basis that you know, and the place was horrific. The place was really horrific. Do you remember the name of the hotel? The Carter Hotel. Mm-hmm. I think it was the Carter. I mean, everybody knows it. It's right down 43rd Street. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the Carter Hotel. Was it the Carter Hotel? Mm-hmm. Right there across the street from Times Square. Wow. And so how did you get to start working at Sally's? I knew Sally for years. I worked for her for years. I worked, used to work for her the after hour. Oh, yeah. The yeah. 220 Club. Mm-hmm. And when did you originally meet Sally then? Huh? When did you originally meet Sally. Oh my God. A long time ago. Mm. I can't remember. Mm. A long, long time ago, maybe in the early 80s or early 80s, something like that. I don't, I can't exactly, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. A long time ago. Mm-hmm. Long time ago. 
I used to work. I used to work also at G.G. Barnum's. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with G.G. Barnum. No. The very famous disco. Oh, okay. Very famous disco. Mm-hmm. I think it was right off Forty Third Street, between Sixth or Fifth and something. Huge big disco. They had trapeze. Oh, wow. Yeah, they have dancers dancing off the trapeze and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's very well known. Mm-hmm. Gigi Barnum's it's down in the records. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. A lot of celebrities used to go. They had one, one, two, three bars. Yeah. A small little cabaret room. They had a big disco and a, a, a long bar. Um, and were you working as a bartender at all of these places? I worked as a cocktail waitress. Okay. I worked as a bartender at, at uh, Sally's. Yeah. yeah. I worked as a waitress in the other places. Mm-hmm. I got promoted as a bartender when uh, at Sally's. I didn't even want to think I would. I didn't want the job as a bartender. My girlfriend Myra Wells told somebody. Well, why don't you get it? Somebody gave out the position, and she she recommended me. I was very I was very unsure of myself, mm-hmm. and they said, "Go ahead, baby, and go ahead. You can, you know." I was. They tried me out, and I took the job. Mm-hmm. I started off with a what a weekend, and from the weekend, they gave me more days. Mm-hmm. I was. Bless Myra Welch, you know, was was the one who recommended me, and and from there on, I got the job, and I, I ever since then, I, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't remember. I could, you know, my memory. I have a bad memory, and you know. I don't think I was a very good mixologist, <laughs> but I used to make good strong drinks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I used to make good strong drinks, but you know what? That's a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was a good mixologist. My girlfriend Giselle, now she was a very good mixologist. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I was just had had a good personality. You know, a very cheerful one. Mm-hmm. I had a girlfriend of mine call my boss, Jesse, tell her that I stole a whole box of Zambuca. That's what they told me. Mm-hmm. I had a, I was hysterical because, you know, it wasn't true. <laughs> but yeah. they told me, they called Jesse up to tell her that I took a box of Zambuca and had it hidden in the closet. You know, because I used to drink Zambuca. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to get off and I used to socialize, yeah. you know, because some of the girls, they used to come in and they said, excuse me, honey, why you don't have a drink in your hand? Yeah. Excuse me, this we have to pay bills here. Mm-hmm. You know, a lady always has a cocktail wet, well, you don't drink liquor, but ask for a cranberry and orange juice. <laughs> That's healthy, girl. <laughs> yeah, no, they yeah. used to come, sit down. Oh, you know, they want to make money, but you don't have to have a... You know, it doesn't have to be alcoholic beverage. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, they want to, but meanwhile, they want to come in. I'm sorry, it's business. Mm-hmm. This is a bar. They pay rent. Mm-hmm. 
They want to go, they want to come meet a guy, make money. Mm -hmm. Oh, they want to make their money, but the bar, they have to pay bill. They have to pay a light bill, they have to pay rent. Mm -hmm. Oh, but they can come in, meet a guy, go out. And what about the establishment? If it was their place, what would they do? Oh, when they go to a, when they have gonna do an alcohol, mm-hmm. and somebody tell them you have to go here and meet this guy, they have to pay the person who they call, does the alcohol for them. Mm-hmm. That's a business too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what they have to think on. But no, well, you know, you don't have to tell them, girl, you're there modeling, excuse me. <laughs> they used to, you know, oh, Vivian, you gotta, I said, oh, honey, we're not here tomorrow. This is, <laughs> but sometimes I used to give him a drink. Okay, here, this is your first one. Okay, next time. Oh, oh, I'm not drinking. I have, I just took a hormone shot. Well, honey, cranberry and orange juice is helpful. Mm-hmm. No, they used to tell me, I'm not drinking. I, I just took a hormone shot. Oh, really? Well, cranberry and orange juice is good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, girl, uh, Grenadine, <laughs> orange juice and grenadine is good. <laughs> uh, they gave me all kind of excuses and I would tell them, I mean, we, everybody knows this is true. Mm-hmm. Everybody that knew me, they know that I was, you know, I was, you know, it, they knew I was cuckoo like that, you know. <laughs> and if, you know, somebody would come in and they were, they were new and from out of town, I'll tell them, girl, what is, oh, I'm from, you know, I tell them, here, welcome to New York City. And I give them a drink. Sit down, relax, you know. Yeah. And I tell them this person is this, this person is that, this person is this. I try to make them feel at home. Yeah. I try to tell them this person is this kind, avoid this guy or this guy if I knew already the who it was, you know. That's you know, that's that's the person I was. Yeah. You know, if I was, you know, because I was my, made myself familiar with the establishment and I try to make myself familiar with the people. Mm-hmm. Oh, and sometimes I make myself familiar with the men. Sometimes the men, they try to borrow money from me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Wow. They try to borrow money from me so they can go out with the girl. Huh. Oh, yes. I said, really? Oh, you want to borrow money from me? Well, listen, if you're going to get money from me, I want to get something back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. When are you coming? No, and then, you know, but they already knew me. Yeah. You know, I said, really, you want to get some? And, you know, next time they came, I did I did lend out some money, you know. I mean, and when they came back, they I told them that some of them tried. I said, oh, no, 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 no. You got to give me my money back. Mm-hmm. You know, and they just, you know, come and give me my and But, I, of course, I charge interest. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, yeah. Why? I'm gonna give them. The, I'm gonna give them my money. Yeah. Not charge interest. Mm-hmm. What kind of businesswoman is that? Yeah. No, some of them used to bring me gifts. Wow. Oh yeah, I I had I had jewelry rings. Wow. Well, I mean that's a you know being a business and everything. I mean not that I ever kept anything. I used to. You know, sometimes I just to give give them away to my girls. Sometimes I, you know, I say, "Oh, that's a pretty person. That's a pretty." Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to give my. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. I used to. 
you know, I didn't even really ever kept anything. That's the, that's the type of person I am. But I used to get a little bit bomb, a little bit too much. Yeah. But it sounds like you're like, not only like a good businesswoman, but a real like figure in the whole community. Well, I like to think I was. Yeah. Now I'm just a over-the-hill person. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so, do you have any memory of... I'm just really interested in, like, what Sally's was like, like, the space. Like, how was it set up? What was... Oh, was when you walked in, there was a, a round bar. Mm -hmm. You had to walk up. There's a round bar. Uh -huh. Then there's a little... On the side, there's a... Let, you have to walk up a couple of steps and then there's another big space there and they have a pool table. They have a, a pool table to, uh, oh, you walk and they have a pool table on the side mm -hmm. and then they have like another da small dance floor and then you walk back down and then on the, to the back there's a big ballroom. Mm -hmm. It can be closed off and it can be open. Mm -hmm. That's where they have a lot, a lot of balls. A lot of the poems, Harry Dupree, uh, Octavia Saint Laurent, had her ball there, Paris Dupree, Pepe LaBeja had a ball there, I believe. Uh, another girl had a ball there. Ah, famous girl too. I can't remember her name right now. Who passed away? She think believe she passed away. I don't know. If she passed away, but she had something a documentary film one. She also did a documentary. Who has she? She's the Mirror Mirror. I don't know if you. I don't know. She has a documentary called called Mirror Mirror. Okay. Okay. Regina Jermaine. In it, mm -hmm. who I know for a long time also. Mm -hmm. And did you ever participate in any of the balls, or were you just kind of around? Mm -hmm. Do you know what? Maybe when I was younger, I participated maybe in one just for because Miss Taxi, uh, she used to be my roommate. I don't know if you know, she was my roommate. Mm -hmm. I went in one maybe for just the fun of it, but uh. And then I did one for, and I was in a ball with Octavia. I was I was working, and I don't know what I got kind of drunk, and I said, <laughs> I walked in my the the dress, the zipper just went whoop, it opened up on me, and I said, oh well, mm. you know, I I was just I just walked for the the fun of it because I know I had no, you know, I just I just walked for the fun of it, not that I had any. You know, because I know I don't have a standard chance. I don't have that artistic talent for, I don't have the allure for, the elegance for walking. You know, you have to have practice and, you know, I don't have that, you know. I don't have that. You have to have that. You have to be 
care on constant, constant, constant. I, you know, I'm just a plain ordinary worker. I, you know, I'm the type of person that has to be, you know, I don't want to. So I don't have that. I don't have that. I don't have that, 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 you know, what it, what it is to take to walk. Mm. You know, it's only to have that, you have to have that air. Mm. You know, you have to, I don't know, for me, sometimes you have to be a little bit obnoxious, I call it. <laughs> To me, you know, it, to me is that, you know, really, you know, you, it looks like kind of you're being snobby, mm -hmm. but that's just the way it is. You're not, but, you know, that's the way it is. And I just, you know, mm -hmm. it looks like you're being, but it isn't. It's just that the style that you have to be. Mm -hmm. I'm not, it's, that's not my, yeah. that's not my forte. That's not me, mm -hmm. you know. You have to be poised, you have to be, and I'm not, I have to be very relaxed. <laughs> you also mentioned your girls, and so I'm wondering like how you got to meet girls that you maybe mentored or took care of, or like what that relationship was like Well, uh, Well, I call just about every girl that I were in groups, you know, mm -hmm. uh, girls that I had spoken to that had asked me for advice and, you know, because I had girls stop me and, you know, they asked me, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I have girls that had tell me, uh, well, you know, I I admire what you do. I would I would like to do, I, you know, I had girls tell me I want to be a bartender. I like that idea. I says, well, you know, you could be one, you know, you just have to. You know, and there have been girls that said, oh, well, you know, I told them, well, some of them, some of them go to Boston. I didn't go to bartender school, you know. Yeah, yeah. There are people that, you know, you could go to bartender school and get a license, which is something that I could have do, could have done, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. And join the union and everything, which is something that never occurred to me. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. because I didn't even have my name changed at the time. Now I have my name changed. I have a, my gender changed. Mm -hmm. On my birth certificate, everything is changed. You know, I says female on my birth certificate. Mm -hmm. I have my basically everything is changed. Mm -hmm. So I mean, but at that time it wasn't. Yeah. I didn't even face me. It didn't even. You know, because I always work with the gay community, so I didn't see that as an issue. Yeah. yeah. You know, but and I, I always work with my gay friends, even when I wasn't. I always all my all my bosses were mm. gay or lesbian or what. They got those are the ones who employ me. Yeah. 
so I was always blessed that way. When I worked in a in a herbal store, my boss was a lesbian. She had a lover, and she was, you know, when I worked, well, when I was a nanny, that they were a heterosexual couple that was married couple, but they, you know, they loved me. Mm. You know, they trusted me with their kids. Yeah, yeah. Since they were born. Wow. I was there for the delivery. Wow. I saw the baby come out. <laughs> Ever since then, I got, you know, I was the one that, so I, I, you know, it was something special for them, um, for me. Mm -hmm. Except except they were the only exception, but everybody else that I had worked for were, which is something really, I've been very fortunate. And so, um, I'm also interested in, before we started recording, um, you mentioned living around Christopher Street, right? Um, was that before or after working at Sally's work? No, this was while I was working oh, at Sally's. Okay. Well, no, this was while I was working at the 220 Club. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you know who owned the apartment, Sally. Mm -hmm. We were subletting for Sally's. Oh, okay. Me and my girlfriend Billy, we were we were roommates. We were sub sub setting, sub letting from Sally's. Mm -hmm. The apartment was at that time five hundred. Wow. She was only paying two fifty. Mm. We were paying five hundred. Mm. Right on Christopher Street. Right now the apartment goes for I don't know how much. Yeah. It's a little the bathtub was in the kitchen. <laughs> you walk in, the bathtub was in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. There's a small little room on the side and the back, the, the living room was in the, to the front, but it was still right mm -hmm. for that area there. Yeah, yeah. And so, so I'm assuming you would like commute up from Christopher Street to Sally's every night or around every night, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so... Oh no, no, I didn't. I, no, at that time oh, no, it wasn't that sad. Two twenty, sorry. Um, we could have walked from the two twenty to there. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh okay. So was there? I'm wondering if there was like maybe a difference, or like you noticed anything different about like the Christopher Street scene and what that scene was like at the time. Uh really? The scene. Basically, no. It was like the same folks like coming yeah. around. The same. Christopher Street is Christopher Street. Yeah. You know? Yeah. People still hang around the street. I said the only thing is that, you know, uh, they have still had this boutiques. They still have stores. They still have, it's just that the chain, you know, they now they have different bars. Mm -hmm. They have more, you know, different restaurants. You know, but Christopher Street is still the same. Mm -hmm. That that church is still in the corner there. Mm -hmm. That has always been there. They took down the bookstore that was in the corner right there, because mm -hmm. it has a bookstore right in that corner there. Mm -hmm. they, they took that down. The that 
that theater is the right there. We live right, right next to the theater. Okay. We live right on top of the theater. Hmm. Our door, we walk in. The theater was right there. Okay. And were you living close to the piers, or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can walk to. I mean, we oh, were two two blocks away from the piers. Oh wow! And by that time, the piers didn't look like that. They were all rinky dinky and all, all forget about it. Mm-hmm. Now forget it. The peers that they were like, oh. Not that we went to the peers at that time. Mm-hmm. Because we were. You know, Sally at that time, and Sally at that time lived right next to the church. Okay. Mm-hmm. She had bought a whole loft apartment and redone the whole loft mm-hmm. apartment right next to the church. There's a gated little thing. You can walk by next to the church. Mm-hmm. There's a little black gate. You mm-hmm. look up on the first floor. There's a Loft right there. Whenever I pass by, I look up mm. and I see, I say Sally. For that whole loft, it's. And he did that whole loft. And I say, wow. I don't know, they probably changed it around, but. Mm. That whole loft was. Mm-hmm. Every time I walk by, I say, Sally. Mm-hmm. And whenever I go walk down the piers and I see thighs, I'm, I'm in thighs bar and I look across the street. Mm-hmm. You know, the hangar bar is right next to the, to the building too, so. Mm-hmm. So it's like a lot of memories whenever I walk by. A lot of memories. Mm-hmm. Beautiful memories, good memories. Mm-hmm. But I remember also when I gave pride, we used to hear all that noise and oh my God. <laughs> well, not even when we gave pride. Mm-hmm. Late at night, you can hear all the ruckus, all the ruckus. With the window open, you can hear all the ruckus, all the ruckus mm-hmm. and that went from the street. But now I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not there now anymore. You know, but we can look. Where it was late at night. Yeah. You can hear all the all the people talking and whatever. Mm-hmm. We used to live on the top floor, hmm. the last floor. Okay. And you could still hear it all. You can still wow. hear all that noise. Mm-hmm. People talking and blah 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 blah. And you say, oh my God. <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah. You think about it. It was And to think that we got locked out. Hmm. Yes. Wow. Because my boss didn't pay one month's rent. We had paid the rent to her. We used to pay the rent to her. She wasn't supposed to pay the landlord. Uh-huh. She didn't pay the landlord. 
and we had Fox first, jury, and everything, and we lost it. We had fox fur, mink coats, everything. We lost it. Wow. We lost all our possessions. They padlocked our door. Sadly, what? They padlocked the door. That was a very. That's a, that was a good moment. They were dying to get, mm. you know what? They wanted to boost that rent up. Yeah. They wanted to boost that rent up. And that's what they're waiting for, Pat Lockley apartment. Mm. That apartment is going for very good money now. Yeah, for sure. And this happened, I don't know how many years ago. Mm. Long, long time ago. About, wow, maybe 40 years. Wow. So you're saying like late 70s then? Mm. Wow. So what, what did you do after that? How did you try to make up for losing all your sessions? You know what? I don't remember. We got a room or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what happened, what we did. We started all over again. I know we had lost everything we had, our clothes, everything we had. Because we couldn't go back in. Nothing. Fur coats, jewelry. I know that that landlord racked up in that apartment. Not only with renting it, but what's in it. Mm. And I never thought about it afterwards, you know that. There were at least four coats in there. That's not including the jewelry. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, probably left it in there and gave it to someone. My cousin, my good mommy had a good sugar daddy. <laughs> so yeah. Hmm. Um, anyway, that's over and done with and she's in heaven. Yeah. Both of them in heaven. I didn't think anything of it. Well, I did, but... We were out in the streets. I don't even remember what happened. I can't, you know, now that I mentioned the Christopher Street thing, yeah. that was a past eight thing. Yeah. Okay, well, before we talk a bit more, like, past down on the timeline, um, also before this interview, you mentioned marching with Sylvia and trying to think if you had like come across Marsha P. Johnson at any point and I just wanted to know if you had any more thoughts about that or what it was like marching with Sylvia. Well, we used to go to uh, groups with Moshe's. Hmm. From there, we used to go to the church and eat. 
and we had groups there too mm -hmm. at the church. We used to eat there. We had to do groups at Moshe's. And uh, also we used to march. I think it was a trans march. You know, and a couple other march. And it was always exciting mm -hmm. when we all marched together. You know, our posters and everything, it was always a really exciting. And when we, you know, went to the 14th Street, the circle there, and we hung out there, and that was always, always. And I always tried to make it to go to that march, and unfortunately, being that uh, I always, being that I was an HIV Act, I'm a spokesperson, mm -hmm. always had some kind of schedule that I can't. I always had something coming up that it, it had me unavailable to be at that march. And I always loved going to that march, mm -hmm. regardless of whether I have, because I have my a bad ankle. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, I, I love that march. Walking around and doing that march for me is so, so inspirational. Mm -hmm. And I do I marching with Sylvia, Every single time, it was it was really very inspirational, mm -hmm. and has always been afterwards. And was Sylvia just around at the marches, or did you know uh, her? Was she just around at the marches, like marching with you, or did you know her outside of that context? Uh, no, I didn't know her outside of that context. I knew her at, at the from the groups. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because we used to do the groups. Mm -hmm. And from the groups, we used to walk together to the church. Mm -hmm. Me, Sylvia, the two girls that live upstate. Mm -hmm. What I, what her name? Uh, their lovers, I think they live upstate. Mm -hmm. I think I think well, my friends mm -hmm. that knew Sylvia very well. I think they were they're part of star. They started stars. That what you will call it. I also I'm also an old friend of uh, Vicky. Mm -hmm. Vicky and I we were used to hang out together when we were young. Mm -hmm. Vicky Cruz. Yeah. We used to hang out also at Gigi Barney, but you know Pastor Dario. Mm -hmm. When we were young, and a couple other girls. Uh, Vicky did an interview with one of the girls, uh, the two girls, mm -hmm. trying to find out information about Martha T. Johnson. Oh. I saw the documentary, mm -hmm. and you know, so yeah, no, oh uh, yeah. No, so we used to sit down and talk on the table. Me, Sylvia, the two other girls. That was before they moved out of town. You know, another blonde girl, Sylvia's roommate at the time, a girl with long hair. 
several uh, some uh, several other girls. I, you know, I try to remember. I can't. But it was with me, Sylvia's roommate, the other two girls. Uh, we used to sit down. We used to do groups. And what were the groups particularly for? What they were trans about? groups, okay. trans group, and they're talking about uh, different issues. With you know, mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly, but this was a while back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and do you think this was one of your first like encounters with activism, or no? Okay, I used to be also housing works. Oh yeah, housing works is a very active on housing, you know. Mm-hmm. I became uh, a, a civil rights activist at basically uh, housing works. You know, I became uh, about everything, mm-hmm. you know, rights and a lot of things. We went to Albany and we went to from door to door. I mean, you know, that's where I learned. Mm-hmm. I got that's where I got my power and my energy. Yeah. Housing Work gave me a lot of strength. Mm-hmm. I give them a lot of gratitude because Housing Work gave me the strength to really empower me to, you know. Mm-hmm. They gave me, a, they empowered me. Mm-hmm. When I first went there, I didn't, you know, I, I don't know. But they did empower me. Mm-hmm. I was felt that I was, and I was just diagnosed with HIV and everything else. But they did pick me up, mm-hmm. and I became alive. Mm-hmm. And a couple several months later, I became an HIV act, uh, spokesperson, and that I even I even came a lot even more. I wish I could have done a lot more. I wish I had a lot more information. I wish I could have been a lot more open-minded. I think I, you know, I maybe I could have done a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perhaps I was maybe limited. I don't even, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think that maybe if I, 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 I think, you know, I, I feel blessed, but I did have people say, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, I had w- one person, you know, came up to me. She's you know what? Thank you. You know for, and I said, like I said, maybe one or two people have come to me. I said, well, you know what? At least I reach one person. You know what? I that one gratitude mm-hmm. means a million to me. Mm-hmm. And if that one, then there's one. That one there. You know what? There's a lot more. They just don't, some people just don't have a way of expressing it. And yes, some people don't have a way of understanding it. Because, it, you know, I have had issues with people who still don't understand the, the whole thing of HIV. Mm-hmm. And I have been subjected to it, and I it's very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And transgender. And I'm 66 years old, and I said, my God, these people are still in the backwoods. Mm-hmm. And it's hitting home. Mm-hmm. At this age, 2018, and it's, you know, I says, we still, I hear 
I see people doing this and I said we still need to keep on talking about how can we reach to these people you know we're in 2018 mm. yeah. we're civilized with human beings We are human beings. We're not backwards, we're just human beings. We believe, we breathe, we have feelings. I have somebody say that they think I want, that I'm a man, that I think I want to wear women's clothes. At my age. Hmm. And this is somebody that's personal. Hmm. Personal. Not personal to me, but personal to someone that I care about. Yeah. I said, really? You know, I says, I said, you know what? I really don't care what they say. Hmm. But it's little. I said, all right. I just leave it at that. They were very upset about it. I said, don't worry about it. You know what? It doesn't affect me. But how they act and react, you know what? That's going to affect some of their kids if they think like that. Mm -hmm. That's why they're teaching the kids, and that's not good. Yeah. That's very bad. Yeah. And the kids are going to have that kind of attitude. They're not going to be... Uh, it's going to be very hard for them to rationalize it in society. Mm. It could be harmful for them. Mm. And so when did you, did you first kind of get in touch with Housing Works? Uh, 2003. And so, was that, so, just like... I believe it was 2003, I'm not even sure, okay. maybe 2002, okay. something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you were working at Sally's in the 80s, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, how long were you at Sally's? Wow, I um, I can't tell you that I get, you know, my I really, I can't even remember how long Sally was open, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. but I was with Sally ever since, yeah, for the long for the long duration, mm -hmm. because you see, Sally had a. I don't know, something happened with the 220 Club. Okay. Sally left. Mm -hmm. They changed the 220 to pay and called it the page six. Mm -hmm. Sally was the, in charge. They mm -hmm. changed it to page six to make it look, feel, look. They gave it an overhaul. Mm -hmm. They made it look a lot more classy, I suppose. Yeah, they changed the whole face on. They, then they said they could change the clientele. But basically, it was really the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, basically, it's the same thing. And then, 
they said they didn't want any but basically they had the girls working there mm. me they, well, they still had this trans girls working there mm -hmm. okay now something happened and Sally left yeah, I don't know what happened. There was something, and Sadie left. And when she left, uh, there was a period of time I stayed in the club. Mm -hmm. Sadie had left. There was a period, I don't know how long, several months or a year, I'm not sure. But I had stayed there because I was working. That was my other boss, Jimmy Peanuts. Mm -hmm. He used to be the manager of... Uh, Frisco Disco. Mm -hmm. Okay, they were they were partners, mm -hmm. but Jimmy stayed. So anyway, then I don't know what happened. They closed. They closed. Page six, which was the original Sally's. Mm -hmm. So Jimmy went to Sally's. Oh no, he went to a. There wasn't a, a little Sally's. No, no, no. I had, they closed page six, so I went to live with my mother. Mm. Okay. okay. They, I wasn't working for a while. Mm. Now that you, you're refreshing me, I wasn't working for a while. Okay. Because they closed down the, the after hour. Mm. So Jimmy Peanuts went to work for Sally, worked had a small little bar. It was on 43rd Street. And it was called Sally's. It was called Sally's, but it was a small little Sally. It was just Sally's. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, it was a little bar, it was a little nice, cute little bar. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know what happened, whatever, I don't remember. I started frequenting. I started going there afterwards after a little while. That's when I went to hairstyling school, mm -hmm. trying to figure out what I was going to do. Yeah. Then finally, you know, I, I got a job there. Mm -hmm. And then after a little while, something happened with the roof of the place. The roof of the place uh, fell down or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they needed to move because the roof wasn't working. Mm -hmm. So down two doors down is side down rows. Mm -hmm. That's a bar. Mm -hmm. Underneath the Carter Hotel, Jimmy Pinard is a very smart person. Yeah. Benny, a good manager. So he went down and spoke to the Caribbean owner because mm. the place wasn't open. Mm. Or oh, it was open, but it wasn't doing any business. Okay. So he talked to the, the owner of the place and they make a business deal. So everybody goes and moves to the other bar. Mm -hmm. So now the new place is not called Saigon Rooms, it's called Sadie's Hideaway. Mm -hmm. 
or Sally's too. The other one was Sally's Hideaway. This is Sally's too. Because it was a little thing that was called Sally's Hideaway. Mm -hmm. So this one is called Sally's too because it was bigger. Yeah, and Sally's too was where they would have the balls and things like that. The other one was Sally's Hideaway because it was a little thing. <laughs> it was a small little bar, mm -hmm. little club, you know, it was a small little thing. It was Hideaway because it was like a Hideaway. <laughs> this is the other one was Sally's, Sally's too because it was walking, you had to walk up. Round, round bar. Mm -hmm. Then you walk up, there's a platform like this, and there's a, a, a pool table, and then there's a dance floor. Mm -hmm. Then oh, around bar, you would walk a little bit, there's, there's a big ballroom. Mm -hmm. Lights and everything else. Mm -hmm. Beautiful scenery, you know, painter scenery, mm -hmm. and everything else. But, and then you have wooden sliding doors that you can close and everything else. Mm -hmm. As you can just occupy the, the flat and that, and the ballroom you can use on special occasion. Mm -hmm. So they used just this and that, because that was enough yeah. for the time being. They used the top floor for shows and everything else. And then they then afterwards they started using the ballrooms for, for ball. That's what I call it, you know. And that was, and that's when they started getting jumping. Mm -hmm. That's when the people they started renting it for movies and everything. They did a rock disco, which I was in. <laughs> yeah, I was at, at one of those standings or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Irish rock. Mm -hmm. I was in there. Uh, Cindy Lauper did a video there. The New Habano, uh, an Irish rock band, did a uh, did a thing there. Several, several, several movie clips were done there. Several movie clips were done there. Yeah, I was in one of them. The Irish band, yeah, and we were just like part of the girls from there, you know. Yeah, yeah. it was like maybe what seven girls, mm -hmm. seven girls that, that were just just sitting there pretending we were talking and <laughs> blah blah, you know. That. Yeah. That's about it. And Sally's, you know, at first, it was really, it was fun. It was fun, it was, you know, it was, I was just felt insulted that he, he just came out and everybody knows who the writer is. Was it Michael Mustard? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's her. <laughs> That's her. And she looked horrible, blue button, I mean, naked on the Robin Bird show. Mm -hmm. This happened, I mean, 35 years ago. Yeah. Robin Bird had been to Sally's. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had everybody come to Sally's. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. They used to, I mean, like, 
really. A lot of celebrities came to Sally's. They partied at Sally's. But why give them a, a you know a bad name? And these ladies were flawless. Their clothes was impeccable. Their jewelry was on point. Their mimicking was absolutely on point. The person that they took the picture was a, a Cuban girl who looked exactly like Celia Cruz. You can look at her picture. She looked a pure perfection of a young Celia Cruz. I mean, I'm telling you, when you look at her, you think a young Celia Cruz. And beautiful, beautiful. And her clothes is nothing but perfection. I found it so insulting because mm. I loved her. Yeah. You know, and I mean, clothes is nothing but perfect because her, I know the person who made the clothes. Yeah. And he was a dear friend to me, and he was nothing but a perfect seamstress. Mm. His name was Lorena. And he used to come to my house, and I see him so close. He did clothes for me, and he did nothing but perfect clothes. He used to sew my clothes also, and he did. He was a perfect seamstress. He was from Chile. His name was Lorena. We used to call him Lorena. <laughs> wow. And so it seems like it had its own like little economy around it too. Yeah. In terms of like who your seamstress was, who like was at the bar, like Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting, I think. It had it well it has, you know, it had its community. Yeah, yeah. You know. Edelweiss was down the block. Girls from Edelweiss used to come. We didn't know they had to come from Sally's to down to Edelweiss. Mm -hmm. You know, Edelweiss was maybe on the Tenth Avenue. Mm -hmm. People used to go to Edelweiss. Edelweiss used to come to here. The girls we used to go to Edelweiss. Edelweiss to right here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering when like movies started to film in Sally's and like people were making videos like what the response was, like, whether, like, I mean, were they all, like, fine with the girls? Like, was it all good, or was there, like, some tension, or how did it feel to have, like, bigger mainstream people, like, coming into the bar? No, the girls liked it. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, it, it was, you know, I, I, we were in the New Yorker magazine. I was, I, my picture came out in New Yorker magazine. Yeah. My picture came out in New Yorker magazine because, uh, as you all know, Dorian Carvey passed away. Yeah. They found a mummy in her closet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I used to, I used to go to her house. Oh, wow. Yeah, me and Sally and several others, we used to frequent her house all the time. Yeah. We never knew she had a mummy in her closet. We never suspect. We would have never known. Mm -hmm. She had that mummy in that suitcase. We're going to go over there. We went over there, chat this and this, and she was paying no mind. We walked by the house, and where she had the mummy, she was in a, she had a little room. It was a little room. He had 
lines of, of fabric. Mm -hmm. It was like a walking closet, huge walking fire. She had lines of fabric hanging on one side and on another and on the other and on the other. Mm -hmm. And then the, she had a long foyer and she had shelves of, of, of fabric also. And then at the end, she had another room where she had her sewing machine. She had like maybe three sewing machines with a window. Mm -hmm. Then in the front, she had the living room and her bedroom. You would never, you know, wow. know that she had that mummy in that little. I don't, I, I don't, I didn't see the suitcase, but. Mm -hmm. And what was everyone's response once everyone found out and it became like? We all were shocked. Yeah. We were shocked. I never, you know, we were shocked. Because, you know, really. Well, I said, really, she, we would have never thought. Was there no, I mean, you know, really, she. Well, I said, well, she, what can I say? She passed away and they found that she. Real, I just wonder what was the reason why it happened. Well, she must have done it because somebody tried to do something wrong to her. And, you know, yeah. things do, you know, there are men who have believed, you know, and. But that was, wow. It was a shocker. I know I was interviewed by a writer. I think I was quoted, whether, you know, whatever I said, because mm -hmm. I still have the magazine, the New Yorker, and they took a picture of me and Barbara Her, and uh, several, a couple of other girls. Mm -hmm. My hair was, was curly, I did it long. I didn't like the pose, but what the hell? They didn't tell me nothing. My feet looked like all crooked and everything. I still have the picture of the magazine. Yeah. It's worn out, but I... But, you know, that was... It was like a, you know, a wonder. You know? We also interviewed for the movie uh, Two on Four. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, some other girls got to go to be in it. Mm -hmm. You know, Lady Cateria, she, she, she was in it. Mm -hmm. I passed away when she read some piece. Mm -hmm. And then I know some other girls who met, but I didn't really get to see them, but they were, they were supposed to, they were there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't get, you know, but I went to, I did go, I did interview. Mm -hmm. But I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't. So, um, what happens after you're kind of, what happens once like Sally's isn't 
a part of your life anymore? At what point does Sally start to to? I found another job at yeah. Cats. Okay. Cats Bar. Mm-hmm. I was working at Cats Bar in Sally's. Mm-hmm. I was working at Sally's. Somebody from Cats Bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody that, uh, tells me, oh, we want you to work at Cats. So I started working at Cats. I started working a double shift. Mm. Wow. I get off from Sally's and I go to Cats. Wow. Mm. I was working double shifts from Cats to Sally, from Sally to Cats, and then sometimes my boss wanted me to go, let's go to the after hours. Mm. Wow. Jeff. I said, oh my God, Jeff. And I loved him dearly. He was my boss, uh, my friend. That you know, we go and I say, oh, whatever. And when I got home, I had to get up again to go to work, and that's how it was. Mm-hmm. Then when Sally closed, I thank God I have cats to lean on. Mm-hmm. I lived on Forty Third Street. I had I got a room, finally got a room on Forty Third Forty Third Street. Lived mm-hmm. there for I don't know how many years. Mm-hmm. From the Carter, the same owners. Mm-hmm. You know, Jimmy lived there also. Mm-hmm. My niece Strawberry got a room there also. Mm-hmm. Another friend of mine who just passed away a couple of months ago got a room there also. Mm-hmm. Ben, mm-hmm. Ben Robles. Uh, got a room there also and uh, so anyway it was you know we got a room there and uh, I used to go to from work Mm -hmm. from Sally's to 48th Street Cat's Bar Mm -hmm. sometimes I used to work sometimes I used to take a cab Mm -hmm. when Sally closed down I went to Cat's Bar and when Cat's Bar closed, uh, what did I do when Pascal Cat? Oh, nothing. Mm-hmm. I just, I was collecting, I was collecting. So until I then, that's when I moved to the Bronx. Mm-hmm. I decided, you know, that's where they found me a place a bigger place, more comfortable place, and I moved there. Mm-hmm. I moved to the Bronx, and I've been there ever since. Mm-hmm. That's when then I, that's when I, I oh I joined a, a health group in Yonkers, but that was uh, I don't know it didn't last very long, and then I, that's when I I joined high housing works afterwards. And how did you start getting involved with Housing Works? I got started with involved in Housing Works through a, through a health group in, the, in Mount Vernon. Okay. You know, I was already getting involved in a in health group in Mount Vernon, mm-hmm. so I joined uh, Housing Works. I went to the gay men's health crisis a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But I had just started my medication, mm-hmm. my HIV medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it wasn't the proper medication that was being over medicated because okay. it was I had just started and that I, re, I really the person who gave me the medication wasn't too sure exactly what my whole diagnosis was mm -hmm. just being precautious so I was going through a whole faint, a whole different kind of way. Mm -hmm. But thank God, I you know, he, I was prepared for the whole situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then afterwards, you know, I was going to the other health group, but it was a little out of the way and everything else. And it was a little bit boring. It was a beautiful area, but. Then I, you know, from there I started going to Housing Works. Mm -hmm. Then my ex-husband joined with me, mm -hmm. and uh, and from there it just went on smoothly. Mm -hmm. You know, we had trans group there. Mm -hmm. uh, from there, I started going to the the one on Thirty Third Street, mm -hmm. but I had already started going to the one on. Uh, the gay men of health classes had a trans group mm. on 28th Street mm -hmm. that I had been going up for before for several years now. Okay. With my Chinese uh, Beverly, Beverly Livgen, mm -hmm. we have been going to on and off for quite a while. Mm -hmm. You know, but those groups, that's those those groups weren't steady. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, those groups weren't steady, and she would inform me, Vivian, they're having a group here, or they're Vivian, they're having a group there. But they weren't really reliable because they would break up and they whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they weren't really all that reliable. Mm -hmm. But the one in housing was were always reliable. Mm -hmm. And I would find out about the rules on 33rd Street with Moshe, which they were always there on point, mm -hmm. you know. That's how I managed to know Moshe. Mm -hmm. That's how I managed to know Sylvia. Mm -hmm. And that's how I found through Housing Works and Moshe. And, you know, now I hear about Housing Works and Moshe are connected. Mm -hmm. And I, that's how I met Brooke. And that's how I met a, a lot of the girls. Uh, uh, a lot of the girls. that are very active and very, very, who I tell, uh, sometimes they feel like giving up. I tell them, you don't give up, girl, take a break. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just feel like you're disappointed. Don't, it's not easy. And you know, I know the feeling. You just take a break, take a little break or take a little breather mm -hmm. and go back again. It's like, it isn't easy. Mm -hmm. It's, you're not gonna see people accepting 100%, you know? Yeah. And people are not gonna be accepting 100%. You're not gonna reach that 100% level. Mm -hmm. You want to reach the 100% level, you're not gonna reach the 100% level. You know, you can try, but you're not going to reach that 100% level. I've noticed, you know, you can just do what you can and, you know, but you have to take care of yourself also because you're going to wear yourself out, mm -hmm. you know. 
I mean, you have to care. You want to care, but you know what? You have to care about yourself too. Because if you don't try caring for yourself, and you know what, you're gonna wear yourself out caring for somebody who's not, you know what, who's very slow, who's being slow in what they're thinking about. Mm -hmm. You have to give them a chance to study and analyze the the process first, you know, because they might not be thinking of it just right away. Mm -hmm. It will take them a little while before they notice that situation is not the same anymore. Mm -hmm. Before they get it. Because you tell them something, and you know what? They may not pay it no mind, and then all of a sudden they realize that what you told them is, you know, it's something that they has to be noticed. So through Housing Works and going through the groups, you start to become like a, um, an HIV spokesperson, you said, right? Um, and so what did that kind of work entail? What were you doing with that? Well, speaking out, mm-hmm. telling your life, telling everybody that it's, you know, it's all right to be HIV, that you know what, you can still live with the virus, lead a normal life, lead a a healthy life if you just take your medication on time, you know, just be careful and you can still live a a healthy life, take, have, try to have a a diet, you can have a purpose, Mm -hmm. you know, you can have a job, Mm -hmm. you can have a normal life, Mm -hmm. you're still a human being. You don't have to be changing your place. You don't have to be, you know what? You can still have a normal life. You can still have kids. You can still, you're a human being. Mm-hmm. There are still people out there who don't see that. Mm-hmm. Just a, a, about a week ago, I was talking to a lady and she tells me, oh, I'm trying to get a room. She was trying to get a room for someone and she said, oh, and we found it. Oh, but I'm worried because there's somebody down the, down the door that has AIDS. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid that he's going to use the towel. Mm-hmm. I said, but what are you talking about? You don't get AIDS anymore. You don't get AIDS from the dirty towel or yeah. something like that. Yeah. You don't get AIDS from a towel or nothing like that. I told my boss, he says, I was, you know, don't tell her. My boss tell me, don't you dare tell her that you have HIV. Don't you dare tell her. Mm-hmm. This is the person that I, I interviewed and I told my boss to hire her. Mm-hmm. I studied this woman. Mm-hmm. I analyzed her because we needed someone else in case I needed to take off or something. He wanted me to find somebody. I, I was the one that got this. This woman doesn't speak English. Mm-hmm. She's from Ecuador. Uh, and I, th- I, th- I found this woman charming. I found this woman really very nice, you know. Mm-hmm. And I had been studying her and everything else, and she wanted to get a job, you know. 
she lives in that area of where I work, mm -hmm. and I found it convenient, and I thought she's a very, I, you know, I liked her. Yeah. You know? But then we're talking, and we're, you know, and she's the same age, more or less the same age. I, she's a couple of months, I'm a couple of months older than she is. Mm -hmm. but she's a little bit shorter than I am. But it doesn't matter when it, you know, but she doesn't speak very good English. That's a little bit of a, but I didn't care, you know. I don't, you know, I'm not being, and she's a very good worker. But I told my boss that, you know, she, she lives in the area and she's very good. She works very hard. And she says, okay, I'll tell her. That, you know, what days can she work and this and this, mm -hmm. and what day you can work, okay? He made up a schedule and he gave her the job, mm -hmm. you know, because I, basically I was the one that got her. Yeah. And she, I find out that she's being prejudiced about HIV. Mm -hmm. You know, this is knowledge that I didn't really exactly is putting me, what did I do, you know? Yeah. I can't be totally honest. I feel like, wow, I just got a so woman who's being prejudiced about HIV. She seems to be very nice with everything else. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if she knows that she has somebody working, she's working with somebody HIV, how is she gonna react? If she just mentioned that she's afraid to have her boyfriend, she's met, she has her ex-husband living with her, and she got another husband mm -hmm. on the street homeless. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, she's a very caring woman. She supports her family, her family in Ecuador. She sends them money. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is why I really, because she's a very caring lady, very complex lady. Mm -hmm. So I... I'm thinking, well, I don't know. This is something that I have to think about. You know, now I have to be careful what I say because, you know, I don't want to be... What can I say? Yeah, yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Encounter. Then my sister-in-law is, is, thinks, oh, I'm HIV positive. Oh, I'm a man trying to be in a woman's law. Mm -hmm. Really? Mm -hmm. I came, I said it, my sister-in-law. That's the one that's, mm -hmm. my, my, my boyfriend is like up in arms. Oh, Lord, oh, no. He wants, she wants her to go over there and they don't, you know. I went to the house once so over there and they had, a, they had a fit because I sat on the couch. Wow. Yeah. I had I never had that in my in my even in my that family. Mm -hmm. I I was crying. My 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 boyfriend doesn't want to go to the house. He doesn't want to go over there. So listen, I don't care. That happened. That happened. But what matter? That's your family. Okay, go see them. Mm -hmm. That's important. Your family is your family. Mm -hmm. I love you. Don't worry about that. Fuck that. They're your family. Go see them. Okay, go see your father, go see your niece. I don't know what kind of, how your niece is going to be brought up, but you know what? Go see your father, go see your, your niece, because he loves his niece. You know? Yeah.
Go see your family. That's important. Don't think of that. I put it behind me. Yeah. I still think, wow, that kind of... She, she wants to be a health aide. I said, really? You're going to be, she's going to be a health aide with that kind of mental, mental situation? What kind of, how, what kind, who, what kind of patient she's going to have? With that kind of mentality, I don't think she should be in a health aide position. But who am I, I you know, to say, to think anything like that, you know? I'm just a mere, what, 60-year person who uh, am here and experience what have I experienced? Nothing. Gone through what? Nothing. I had a guy stick a, a, a fork, a, a nice pick in my, and put my jacket over my head and drive me all the way to I don't know where, up into Washington Heights, all the way I don't know where, late at night because I was in the streets trying to make some money. It was cold out. Me and my roommate didn't have any money. It was I, I was at work. We were, the bars were closed and we were out of work. Me and my roommate, this is the time when we got locked out. We had to have food and whatever. We got locked out. We had to have food. It was the holidays, and I'm out in the street trying to make a couple of food money. What do I do? I get some guy that takes my coat, put it up into the car. He puts my coat up to I, I don't see nothing. I get it. Next thing I know, he tells me, I said, oh my God, this is all I need. Yeah. All I know, I have my eyes, my jacket up to my face and I can see the little lights. It was dark. Little, just, uh, you know how you can see the New Jersey or whatever it is? Yeah. From the the west side, the yeah. car driving, whatever. I thought it was, I think it was New Jersey. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I said, oh my God, this guy is going to drive, whatever. He's going to kill me and dump me in the river. That's all I thought. Oh uh, thank God I was, I don't know what, I could, what, did he rape me or something? I know he did something. And then he brought me back and left me in Harlem somewhere. Huh. So what did I do? I managed to get it. God damn. Mind you, I get the courage again to pick up a ride and drive me back to where I was living on 50th Street and 10th Avenue. Wow. Scare shitless. I told the man, listen, man, oh, please, this just happened to me. Thank God he was a young man and what he understood. Mm -hmm. He drove me back. It, was, it wasn't a truck. Mm -hmm. I think he had small feet because he had a very a fragrance on him. So I remember clearly because he had that kind of fragrance. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was blessed. I got another time I remember, this is before I was, I had a chiffon blouse, chiffon pants on. Mm -hmm. I was 
they tore my chiffon blouse, my pants, everything else, and they left, threw me in the piers. My blouse, my pants were shredded. They threw me in the piers, and I was there. I just, I just don't remember nothing else. I just remember I was thrown there. I, by sheer luck, I, I'm still alive. I just don't, I don't even remember how I got home, or where I was living at that time. I just remember being lying there with my chiffon blouse, my chiffon, I think they were genie pants, Mm -hmm. black, I know it was a black outfit. Mm -hmm. And it was in shreds. Another time there was a time, I was, this was near Sally's, right off the West Side Highway, right off the Lincoln Tunnel. Mm -hmm. I was going to there, a man takes out a gun. I said, oh my God, this is all I need. I get the nerve and the courage. I take the gun out of this man. I turn it on him. I says, get out of the car. Oh, don't steal my car. Don't steal my car. I said, get out of the car and stop running before I shoot you. I don't know where I got the strength and the courage. I'm taking your car. (laughs) I'm taking your car and get out before I shoot you. God, I'm telling you, this man ran out of the car. I took the car. I didn't take the car. I left it where it was. I don't know how to drive. (laughs) I took the gun. I walked to the little bush because it was in a parking lot. Uh I took the gun and I put it next to a gate and I stuck it in the ground (laughs) and I ran. It was just like three blocks away from the 220. And I walked to the door, and I said, Frankie, because that was the bouncer at the door. Oh, Frankie. Oh, Frankie. Oh, oh and, and the bartender, I knew them. I, well, I they all knew, oh, I need a drink. I need a drink. Oh, oh, I need a drink, please. Oh, they just almost tried to stick me with a freaking gun, and I took it, and I stuck it. He said, why don't you bring it to me? So I got it. So, why? Why you came? Why don't you give me? I would have bought it for you. I said, oh, really? <laughs> well, I stuck it in the ground and I left the car out there. I told him I left his car. I said, took the car away from him. And I said, ah, oh, please, I need a drink or whatever. They gave me a drink and tell me, telling me I should have bought him the gun. He would have bought it off of me. <laughs> I said, I wasn't thinking about buying, selling no gun or nothing, which I didn't. Yeah. And I wanted to, you know, a new car. It was basically a new car, a silver wow. car. I said, oh why? I don't drive. Yeah. And I, you know what, the poor man, I feel sorry. Well, really, I don't know if I feel sorry for him or not. Mm-hmm. He took out a gun on me. I don't know, but the sheer grease of gun, I turned that, changed, I took the gun out of this man. I don't even know if it was loaded. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing, because I didn't know. That's the first time I ever touched a gun. Wow. Never touched a gun. But that's the only one and only time I touched a gun. And now that I'm thinking about that, that's the first and only time I touched a gun. Hmm. I don't even know, was it real or not? I don't know, I can't, that's the first and only time. Wow. And I say to myself, God, 
I'm still here. I'm still here. Another time, but this guy raped me like two or three times. Hmm. And the funny thing is, he was my one of my neighbor's co cousin. What can I say? I have dealt with it. I consider myself a survivor. Mm -hmm. And my word to a lot of these girls, you try to move on. Mm -hmm. Take this and to try to get stronger. You know? Yeah. You get stronger. Put it behind you. You get stronger. You know? Mm -hmm. You know? It happened. It happened, you know? You were trying to do something. For it happened. It wasn't something that you... It just, it just happened. Mm -hmm. You know, you're lucky it's happened to you and you, and you survive it. Mm -hmm. You know, you deal with it. Subconsciously, you deal with it. It could be, it's horrific, you know what? Try putting it behind you. Because if you don't, it's just going to eat you away. And you can't move forward. Yeah. You know, I look at it back now, you know, I joke about it sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm still here. I'm still here by the blessing of God. Mm. It was no joke when it happened. Mm. It was no joke. My heart almost came out. But now I look at it and now I think about it and, and my heart still goes, but you know what, I'm here now. And I say, thank you God, you know. For your guidance. Mm -hmm. But I'm here for the reason so I can be able to tell that story. Yes, yes. So somebody else can get stronger. Mm -hmm. Get wiser. And be aware.
I think that might be some really beautiful advice to end the interview on. Um, unless there is anything else you wanted to add. Okay. Well, thank you so much.